to episode 120 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Chowen. And joining me tonight are my two other co-hosts, Ash Collins, Ash, <laughs> Ash, <laughs> Ash Collins, Ash Collins, and Mark Nadeau. Ash, how's everything going for you this week? Someone buy my fucking house. <laughs> Still trying to pawn your house off on our listeners, I see. Well, that's good. Yes, yes. Actually, we, we're we're uh, we're talking to the realtor about you know price change. It could there be right go. up your alley. Absolutely. History, a place where one of the, <laughs> one of the founding members of the well, not the founding members of the podcast, but one of the members of this podcast lived at for like ten years. That's right. Absolutely right. Well, what we could do um, is uh, maybe give them a free Patreon access for life if they buy yes. your house. Then they get all the special episodes and all the paywall stuff in the future for free. Exactly. That's a great idea, Mark. Always thinking. That's right. Speaking of our idea, man, how were your vacations the, the past few weeks here? Oh, uh, good. A jet setter, aren't I? Yeah, I am, uh, yeah you sure are. I'm quite tired of airports and airplanes. So I'm very happy to be home and back uh, on the show tonight. Yes, well, you know, we, we are. You know, uh, we were talking last week, and we think that you just keep timing your vacations with the release of Cloverfield movies, so we think <laughs> it's some kind of grand conspiracy that you actually know when they're coming out. Well, there's apparently another vacation happening later on this year. Uh-oh. Hint. <laughs> uh, this is the real Cloverfield marketing right here on the Cinefessions podcast. Yeah, me and Goodman were really tight. Exactly, exactly. Well, excellent. So, tonight we are finally ready to continue through our Scandinavian horror arc with a review of 2009's Dead Snow. And we're going to move on to round 50 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge, where we're dis- we are going to discuss Sand Serpents, Terror at Ten Killer, and Moana, assuming that Ash has done his homework this time. What? Who? Ah, what yes. am I wa- what? Moana? Did you watch Moana? Maybe. Okay. Well, we'll see, I guess. So keep keep our listeners in suspense while we get there. Before we do obviously, all that, though. neither of them have looked at my at my name for today. Oh, okay. I get, I get it now. No, <laughs> I, I, I did. I didn't understand what it was for. He, he put in your welcome. And that's one of the... I don't know if that's the title of the song, but it's part of the song, yeah, at least. Yeah. So. yeah, it's... it's uh, it's uh, the Rock's character song, yeah. Right, yeah. And now it's in my head, so thank you for that. That's going to be stuck there all hey, night. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, man. So before we do all that, though, <laughs> let's talk about how you can find us on social media. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. You can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at one three zero two four four eight talk that's one three zero two four four eight eight two five five. And you can also check out our long list of past reviews and all one hundred and twenty podcast episodes right on over at cinefessions.com. Also, if you're a fan of the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews are essential to helping us grow. So thank you in advance for your support there. And um Kind of uh, proof of that is how much we've grown since we have finally received enough ratings to be rated on iTunes. We've just been growing so much. So we thank you guys so much for all your support. And uh, we hope that if you haven't left a review yet, which I know the vast majority of you listening have not, 
I would, it, we would super appreciate if you uh, took a minute to even just click that fifth star on iTunes on Cinefessions Podcast. That helps. So thank you guys for that. Um, and also, just as importantly, if you do like what you're listening to here, please just tell your friends about us. The more people that know we exist, the more people can try us out. And hopefully they become interested in what we have to say as well and want to tune in every week just like you do. So again, thank you guys so much for all of your help uh, helping us uh, become a uh, more, you know, a, a podcast with a larger reach, I guess I should say. So thank you guys. And then before we dive into our week in media, just a, a couple quick reminders. Uh, one, remember that we have changed our release day of the show to Mondays instead of Fridays. This just gives me more time for editing during the weekends and it just works out better for us in general. So keep that in mind. We now release the show on Mondays. And two, remember that next week we are going to review 2011's The Monitor. And then the following week will be our listener's choice winner, 2008's Let the Right One In. If you guys want to keep along with us, that's the order that we're going in. So the monitor is next week, and then Let the Right One In is in a couple weeks from today. All right. So, Ash, what have you been doing in your world of media or otherwise the past couple weeks? Let's see. What have I been doing? Uh, well, there's been a lot of work and commuting, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I did catch in a few things. I've been watching, um, oh shit, what was the name of that? Um, the uh, there's a couple different shows on Netflix I've been following. Um, at Netflix originals, believe it or not, ah, amazing. Okay. Um, the uh, I started watching and finished um, Mindhunter. Yes. Uh, oh my god. Yes, I watched that one too. Yeah. Fucking loved it. Yeah, it was. It's a little slow, uh, but oh, uh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It was a. It was a good slow burn. Um, it okay. actually the the pacing reminded me a lot of of Mad Men, and it took me like four or five episodes before I could decide whether I loved the show or hated it. Um, <laughs> so you know, it was one of those things. It was same same thing with Mad Men for me. Um, but no, I. Okay. I, I, I thought it was interesting because I'm uh, my wife and I watch Criminal Minds, um, mm -hmm. which is based off of the unit that they're founding here with Mindhunter. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. But so it was it's kind of interesting, you know, seeing them develop the psychology and everything like that, too. And, you know, how they did it. So I, I think, you know, I think it's kind of a fascinating look at it. Um, but the other one I watched and I absolutely fucking loved uh like from the get-go like they had me hooked like the first like 20 minutes of it uh was altered carbon and i binged that whole series um and i can't say enough about it violence nudity sci-fi you know it's like it's like yeah, yeah it, male and female nudity for our listeners there so you got both going on um mm -hmm. but yeah it, there's a great story to it uh there it doesn't go the way you think it's gonna go and in its if like if you like the cyberpunk genre, it's awesome, absolutely awesome, and I cannot recommend it enough. So I think I heard somebody describe it as like a I don't know necessarily like a poor man's, but like a poor man's Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but in a series form. Uh, I would not call it a poor man's Blade Runner because it's okay. <laughs> okay, like there's there's slight differences. Like Blade Runner kind of distills it down to. 
you know, we're going to focus on him hunting, you know, X. And I, and I haven't seen Blade Runner mm-hmm. 2049, admittedly. And I imagine it expands on it a little bit. Altered Carbon, though, feels like it's the same genre. It's the same kind of cyberpunk world. Yeah. Um, but they... Um, you know, it's the same kind of cyberpunk thing, but there's a lot of different tech behind it. Some of the tech is like light years more advanced. Some of it isn't, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, it's a unique blend. And I think, honestly, the characters and the world is a hell of a lot more developed than Blade Runner is. And, and, okay. and that's coming from somebody who loves Blade Runner and how deep it is. There is a shit ton more of stuff going on in Altered Carp. Uh, and it never felt cheap. I, yeah, and it, they're definitely not even the same kind of story. I mean, there's there's some mystery involved, and you're trying, you know, and the characters trying to unravel what's going on, but it's not, you know, it's a very different kind of story. Okay, very cool. So that was it for me. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. And Mark, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll dive in here real quick. I don't have too terribly sure. much to talk about. So I, I guess I'll start kind of where you did at, at television. Um, so obviously, you know, I, I added one of my goals for the year to watch a uh, TV series, at least one TV series a month. And I, I blew January out of the water. Um, I'm actually, I've done February as well. Um, but I ended up watching season one of The Confession Tapes, also an original Netflix show. And um, I really like that one. So that one is a, a true crime documentary series about people who have confessed to committing a certain crime but it turns out th- that they actually didn't do it that or uh, that the the confessions were coerced or, or whatever the case may be um and it is fascinating as i've mentioned probably a thousand times in the podcast i am a huge true crime f- like buff or not buff like i know a lot about it but uh uh, it's a big interest of mine. And so I love reading about it and watching shows about it. And so that's why I ended up sitting down for the confession tape. And uh, I thought that was just fantastic. I gave that one three and a half out of four stars. Um, and then just a little bit more about Mindhunter. Maybe one of my like top five series wa- season ones that I've watched probably ever. I absolutely loved it. Again, my obsession with true crime uh, and just this, you know, specifically like serial killers. I, you know, remember taking my serial killers class in 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 undergrad, and it's literally like the book that this television series is basically creating. Uh, what the book is based off of is the book that we used in that class, and so it's just so fascinating to me. Um, and the acting is like perfect. It is just ridiculous. I love the characters there just multifaceted. They are uh, just very real and flawed and just fascinating to watch. I absolutely loved them. Um, And uh, yeah, I cannot wait to see where it goes from here. The end of the first season was just like, oh, it just shook me. And I I cannot wait to see the next season. I gave that one four stars. Um, And then just kind of some sitcoms. I watched Friends season five and six. Uh, Actually, I just finished season seven last night too. Um, I love Friends. Give those four stars. Um, obviously, these are all rewatches for Friends, and um, we ended up signing up for Hulu. So we had haven't had Hulu in a very long time, like years and years. But Family Guy, which we fall asleep to every night, was leaving Netflix on February fourteenth, and so we're like, shit, like what are we gonna do? They already took off Bob's Burgers, and they already took off American Dad. Like they took off all the animated TV shows that we like to watch, and so we tried decided to try Hulu because we got an email for like a free month. And so we did that and I'm really liking Hulu. I'm definitely going to keep it. Um, we did like the, whatever it was like 1199 for the commercial free one. 
Um, and uh, so because we're on Hulu now, we can finally catch up on Bob's Burgers. And so we uh, watched season six of Bob's Burgers, which is still my one of my favorite animated TV shows ever. I absolutely love Bob's Burgers. Um, another four star rating for me on Bob's Burgers season six. Uh, we still have to watch season seven and eight actually are on Hulu and we're like halfway through season seven. So uh, I just, I love that show. It's absolutely hysterical. John H. Benjamin or H. John Benjamin, what the hell his name is, is fantastic. Um, so that was the TV series I watched. Um, games, just to touch on that real quick. I did um, played and won the Stanley Cup in NHL 2001 for the PS2 in hopes of a review that I was writing, which hasn't really ever been finished. I need to kind of go back and, and finish that up. But um, And then I did win the NBA title on NBA 2K18 for the Switch. So I marked that one as beat as well. Uh, so I have two sports into my one of my goals for the year. So I'm happy with that. Um, I did buy uh, some more older video games, a lot of old hockey games. So I now have the complete EA sports NHL series on PS2 and PS3. Um, and I grabbed Pod project cars two and NASCAR heat two was on sale um, this past weekend. So I grabbed that as well. And I actually, I'm very happy because I spent less than $20 total. Thanks to gift cards on both project cars two and NASCAR heat two. Which is really weird that I like, I don't know what kind of got me interested. I think because I was watching all these racing video game videos on YouTube. And so I was like, I want to check out some of this NASCAR, th NASCAR things. And then I kind of got hooked on that. And so I've kind of been watching a lot of NASCAR things the past couple of weeks. And I watched the Daytona 500 on Sunday. And it was actually, it's a lot of fun. Like, you know, it's just them going around in a circle. But like, it's just fucking like crazy how fast they're going and how close everyone is and Anything can just like erupt into chaos in an instant. So it fascinates me. But yeah, so that's what I've been doing in terms of television games and spending. Um, I did trade in a bunch of shit to disc replay as well. Um, and so I have like 160 bucks in credit there. I traded in some, a lot of Blu-rays, some TV series. I just didn't need um, anything I basically could get a digital copy of. I just kept the digital and got rid of the um, the physical just because I... I'm trying to clear out a room and trying to make space. Uh, so yeah, it's just trying to cut down on things for that. Um, so film-wise, I did watch uh, three movies. So one of them obviously was Cloverfield Paradox, which um, Ash and I talked about in length on the uh, volume two of the Sinisfessions podcast special edition. So definitely check that out if you haven't. Um, Mark, I know you watched it, so I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on that when, uh, when I'm done here in just a second. Um, I also watched... The Vault from 2017, and uh, that one was on Netflix. I don't think it's a Netflix movie, but it might be. Honestly, I don't remember. Um, but this one was had a very interesting premise. It was so these people are are going to basically. It was like a bank robbery mixed with a ghost story. So these people go to rob a bank, but it turns out like the bank is haunted. Um, it starts James Franco. Um, and Francesca Eastwood were like the only two names I recognized. Um, and I don't even, I didn't recognize Eastwood, but I just knew the name just cause it's Clint Eastwood's daughter, um, who's in it. But this one was disappointing. I gave it one and a half stars, much like I gave Cloverfield Paradox one and a half stars. Um, and the last movie I gave one and a half stars. So I didn't have a great, a great star rating average for, uh, the movies I watched, but I guess what was disappointing about it was that it just didn't really 
well, one, it was predictable. Like I, I was able to pick out what was going on much too early and I'd never do that. And so that was very disappointing. And then at the end, it just kind of f- like, I don't know, flails off into nothingness. It was just, it, it wasn't very good. It has a really cool premise, but it doesn't really deliver on it. So I would say that one's not really worth worth the time. Um, and then the last one I watched, which I was super surprised about that I didn't really love was Alien Covenant. Um, I watched that one for the first time in 4K to help with that goal. And man, I don't know. this It just didn't really do anything for me. Uh, like I was mentioning on the on the special edition episode um, talking with you, Ash, it for a first time viewing, there's not been an alien film that I was like, man, I didn't like that. Usually I'm like, yeah, I like that. I like this a lot or I love it. This one, I was like, no, I didn't really like that. Um, it just felt really slow and plotting and a little bit confusing at times. Um, and just some of the like CGI work was just not good. Uh, I didn't really like the alien, like one of the alien designs. I thought it looked too humanoid. I don't know. It was really strange. But um, Ash, have you seen Alien Covenant? I can't remember. No, I have not seen it not yet. yet. Okay. Mark, have you seen that one? Yeah, it's in the theaters. What did you think of that? Uh, I liked it a lot more than Prometheus. Um, I, well, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, I, I loved Prometheus when I first saw it. I haven't rewatched it. And like Ash says, he loved it when he first saw it, but then hated it, basically not hated, but didn't like it on a rewatch. And so I haven't watched that a second time, but I yeah. liked it the first time I watched it. So um, I, I did like the the robot uh, in the film this time. I thought Fassbender playing both characters mm-hmm. was probably the highlight. Yeah, he was um, excellent. Yeah, let, let me just pull it up really quickly here on IMDb because I'm uh, mm-hmm. forgetting some names because I'm beyond exhausted here. Uh, <laughs> um, I thought that oh, what's his name? Who's the pilot uh, waiting? Oh, oh yeah, McBride. I thought he yes. was great as Tennessee. I thought that might he might have hoaked it, like you know, made the film hokey. And uh, actually, I think I dug his character uh, the most, apart from David and Walter, played by Fassbender. Um, so. Like, I haven't seen the film since I saw it in theaters, but I did buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But the two big things that brought me back or that I recall the most from the film was Fassbender's performances mm-hmm. and uh, Danny McBride's performance. I thought they were both really fantastic. So yeah, I was- uh, it, it felt more like an alien film to me, and I had to mm-hmm. appreciate that. So, yeah, I, I, it's, it deserves a rewatch. Um, mm-hmm. I can't recall how, what I gave it uh, off the top yeah. of my head here, but I thought it was a positive uh, experience when I saw it. Okay, time. well, yeah. good. And and most, I feel like that's the general consensus. I don't know what it was. I just wasn't into it. And I also made the mistake of watching The Cloverfield Paradox, and then instead of watching that a second time, I watched Alien Covenant instead, and then we did the podcast on Cloverfield Paradox. Okay. And like, fuck. Like they have such an almost identical aesthetic tone, like everything about it is so similar. I was like, oh, fuck. Like I'm going to, I kept mixing up the movies when we were talking about them. Yeah. I'm checking my Letterboxd uh, review right now and uh, I gave yeah. it four and a half stars out of five. So I oh wow, really liked it when I saw it. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that most people liked it. So Ash, I'll be interested to hear your take on it once you, uh, once you get around to it. My, my take will probably be, well, it's not Prometheus. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's no naked albinos in this one, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. When when you so. prefer Alien Resurrection to Prometheus, there's something wrong. No, see, I love Alien Three and Alien Resurrection. I think those are both great films oh. if you're watching the correct cut. Resurrection. Oh. I love them. There, Resurrection is complete that? shit. No. Oh yeah. No. Oh. I like God. three. I, I I actually really enjoyed three. Yeah, three's Pro- fantastic. Probably because I did rent a game. 
from my local video game store uh, mm. or, or a local mom and pop uh, video rental store uh, many times for the Genesis, one of the better Genesis games, Alien 3. But uh, no, I, I dug 3 a lot. I, I was, at the time, I didn't like uh, Ripley's uh, shaved head. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. But uh, no, I, I'm one of the few people that actually enjoy 3. See, I like yeah, 3. Me too. I, I do like 3. But I like three better with the production cut because oh, absolutely, it, yeah. and 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 it's three is by considering what three went through to make it to the screen, it's actually a miracle yeah. that the theatrical cut is as good as it is. But yeah. mm-hmm. it, it is still kind of a you know hit and miss. Yeah, uh, does the Quadrilogy box set have both cuts? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I've of only the seen films, the theatrical cut. Alien Resurrection, and even though well, Alien Resurrection has one, but it's like like two minutes or something like that, or three minutes and it has an alternate opening and the alternate opening has really crappy CG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm just not a fan of, I don't like the casting in four, but that's for, Oh, I love that. Oh, oh. I, I don't, but that's a conversation. I gave, time. Right. I gave alien three, seven out of 10 on IMDb. Uh-huh. And I gave alien resurrection eight out of 10 on IMDb. So I liked it better. Apparently. Oh, so and that's, a, that's a relatively recent rewatch too. Like, really? I feel like maybe yeah. less well, than a year even. My problem with alien resurrection though, is it's a Joss Whedon sci-fi horror flick. And they basically picked like a uh, classic style, you know, serious horror director, but I mean, he's not a horror director, mm-hmm. but they, it, it's basically like, you know, the equivalent of cat, you know, getting like the most, like, it, it's like getting, you know, the most sophisticated uh, French auteur to direct your horror flick. And, and there's like, you know, moments that should have been like hilarious or, you know, fell flat and other stuff. And it just, it's kind of hit and miss, but I, I still enjoy it. It's just not as good a movie as I think it could have been. Hmm. All right. So that's, that's my week in media. So what about you, Mark? Well, I'm not going to go through my full month since my last episode, so yeah. I'll just skim through like the really good stuff. Um, so movie-wise, I'll go from most recent to to oldest here. I went to see Black Panther on the weekend. Oh, good. And, it's good. Uh, it's good. It's good. I haven't seen it yet. I, I, I like it a lot. I gave it four and a half out of five stars. Like I really liked it, but it is not my favorite. Like I've got friends that are going gaga over it and like mm-hmm. seeing it multiple times at a multiplex. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to buy the Blu-ray when it comes out. Um, but I thought it was really good. And what Marvel does well is uh, take a obscure character because very few people know who Black Panther is apart from like serious comic nerds, right? Mm-hmm. And really integrate them in the universe that they've built. So I, I recall when I first saw like, Captain America, the uh, first Avenger, loved it. When the other ones came out, rewatched the first one. It's not that good of a film. So this one is actually a really good film. Um, I just don't have the the historical um, ties to it from like when I was a kid reading comic books. So I think they've built a solid new corner in the Marvel Universe because like Wakanda isn't something that's very explored. It's, it's referenced, but it hasn't been explored yet. I thought bring that country to life well, was really good. Like they did that yes. really well. Yes, yes, and no. They they had a whole comic series called World of Wakanda, or Wakanda that kind of explores it a bit. But I don't, I don't, I haven't read it. But uh, a lot of people have been touting it. But I'm um, just, no, but I'm just saying, like for the movie franchise. Oh yeah, like yeah, for, for the, the for the cinematic universe. I, I'm, oh yeah, I, I'm I'm talking cinematic universe here. I, oh, I haven't read I'm comics sorry. in decades, so oh, that's okay. 
No, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, I thought that this was a solid first step to a very lucrative franchise that they're going to have. Like, I think as of today, which we're filming on the Tuesday, um, it's grossed over $400 million globally. So awesome for them. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, Claw's back, which you last saw him in uh, Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, uh, played by, uh, oh, shit. What's his name? Who does Gollum? Andy Circus. Sir, uh, Andy Circus. Yeah, we talk about him all day. Of course. When... Wait, 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 wait! I have to, I have to share the joke that I saw online with this because there's only two white guys in Black Panther. Yeah. One yeah. of them is Andy Circus, and the other yeah. guy is the guy who played the Hobbit, and I can never remember his fucking name. Martin Freeman. Yeah. So two guys who are in, you know, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. So we have our two Tolkien white guys. In Black Panther. <laughs> oh man, it was funny the first time I read it. Um, oh, so, so yeah, so I, I really liked so it. Funny, damn it! <laughs> yeah. I, I still think uh, uh, Thor three was my favorite for the last year or so. Um, but okay, Panther was pretty awesome. Um, so Melissa had never seen Captain America: Civil uh, Civil War, so I watched that prior with her. I really liked it. She was kind of ho hum on it. Didn't feel that she had to watch it to understand Black Panther. I kind of agree, but it's best to me. I want to know all the characters, you know, mm-hmm. and what they've done before. Anyways, I'm a stickler for, for like details and stuff. Mm. Um, quickly, but here I watched, uh, these are mostly Netflix stuff, uh, just because I've been uh, traveling. I watched Stakeland 2 with the, uh, unfortunate title of the Stakelander. Um, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it, I had to see the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, that said, though, if you like the first Take Land, you'll like the second one. It's more of the same aesthetic. I enjoyed it. Um, I watched. That's good because I love the first one. So I really, I need to check out the second one. I just haven't yet. Yeah, I remember loving the first one. That said, it had been a long time since I'd seen it. So uh, I'm trying to even wonder, like, oh, okay, is that the same actor from the first movie? Like I know the main character is, mm. but like all the like the secondary characters and whatnot. Um, yeah, like, yeah. I remember liking the first one a lot. Second one decent. Um, uh, Larry uh, Fessbender, uh, no Fessbender, Larry Fedison. Uh, he is in the film Glassite Picks, I believe, produced the movie, so that's awesome. Um, I watched uh, the Family from 2013 with Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert De Niro, where they're a mob family. Uh, there's two kids involved as well. And they're in a witness protection program, but seems to be a global witness protection program. Um, so, of course, you know, they're like Brooklyn, New York mobsters, and they're living in France. So cultures clash. Ha, ha, ha. Pretty funny. It's actually not bad. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer is really good in it. And the two kids that play, uh, well, the uh, son and daughter of uh, De Niro and Pfeiffer. They're actually really good. So I actually uh, do recommend that one. One of um, them is from Glee, if I remember right. Yeah, the girl. Yeah, I don't watch Glee. So I don't like to me, she was I didn't know who she was. My sister recognized her. Um, mm. A really good documentary, which is actually up for an Oscar um, at this year's uh, Academy Awards. It's a film called Icarus. And it's uh, about this, uh, the director, uh, his name is Brian Fogel, and he's an amateur cyclist. And apparently there's a uh, French uh, event for amateur cyclists called uh, I believe it is, which means high ground. And it's a seven-day event uh, that's, you know, kind of tour fancy, but a shortened ver- uh, version of it. So he goes and does it, does pretty well, and wants to, his life gets decimated when, you know, he finds out that Lance Armstrong doped because he was a hero. So now he wants to dope and find a way to cheat 
without getting detected. So he gets in contact with uh, with a guy who gets in contact with another guy who eventually sp- he speaks to a uh, Russian scientist. And uh, I don't wanna, I don't want to reveal what happens next, but it gets really. It, it's interesting to begin, but the story takes a right turn and like, what the fuck? And it becomes a global, global conspiracy. It's really good. Um, pretty much because of the, this doctor, this is why Russia is not officially in the Olympics this year and was almost banned in Rio in 2016. So it's really interesting. I highly recommend that one. Um, keep going here oh okay yeah so i saw the cloverhill paradox i did not listen to your podcast yet because i'm just getting to december <laughs> for all the podcasts on my mm-hmm. phone so i probably won't listen to right. your podcast till maybe may um yeah <laughs> yeah um i i really liked it um but i like space horror films like one of my favorite video games is dead space so the idea of you know sci-fi shit in space i like a lot um is is yeah, it definitely. the greatest no but i still give it a really good like i personally enjoyed it and if somebody hates it i don't care i liked it does the film have flaws sure it does um and is it tied into clover like the way i saw when i saw the commercial during super bowl and it said you know it kind of it's a prequel to how the monster arrived on Earth. This is mm-hmm. not really what I expected. So, is this was this even a Cloverfield film when it was initially no. shot? I don't know. It, it doesn't wasn't. feel no, like they added in it wasn't scenes it. on Earth or well on Earth. They added in like the husband scenes after the fact yeah. to make it a Cloverfield film. Okay, yeah, and and I can feel that because it really doesn't answer that many questions to me. <laughs> exactly. It poses a lot more questions. Right. Um, so I still got four out of five stars on my letterbox because I, again, up until like the whole, like the Cloverfield aspect, I just liked this, like, it, it was like, a um, uh, uh, what's that film with Sam Neill, uh, um, effect? No, um, event horizon It's like an event horizon light without uh, all the, you know what I mean? Yeah, I said it oh, was, was like a cross between life and event horizon, but not as good as either of them. Okay. Well, that's pretty much exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, I liked it. Yay. Um, so what, what is, the, on your four star scale, what do you, what did you give it? Or what? what? Oh, I give it, th- I give it three out of four. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, Ash, I give it th- Ash gave it three out of four also, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so did you? I gave it one and a half. Mm. Yeah. I didn't hate it, but uh, I was, yeah. I was, uh, just very underwhelmed. Yeah. But you know what? I, I think the reason why I liked it a lot too is that I got excited that a Cloverfield film was coming out and then finding out that it was a Netflix film dropping that night. It, I, I think I was still kind of high off all the, all those little elements happening. So it, it's just, it's, it's kind of cool. Like I, I, I like Netflix, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's funny. I'm not sure if you guys are by your computers. Oh, I'm assuming you guys are by your computers <laughs> <laughs> because. No, but maybe you're on a tablet. Who knows? But yeah. because um, I wanted to f- follow up on some f- stuff that I don't uh, rate on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. I went to my Netflix and I wanted to see, you know, my. you can check your history with Netflix. Like oh, your right. forever history, right? So I, I decided to go back to my first entries on Netflix, see what I watched. Mm-hmm. And I had it for a month for free back in September of 2010. Oh, okay. and, then I, and then I've been on Netflix steadily since um, June of 2012. Um, my, my first like five entries in 2010 on Netflix <laughs> comedy, Cat Williams, Pimpadelic. <laughs> Weird. And then oh. Cheesy Horror Trailers, Volume One, 
Joe Rogan Live, American Psycho, and Tokyo Gore Police. And that was like oh, September wow. of 2010. And then my next thing in June of 2012, Child's Play. So, yeah, <laughs> weird. Anyways, um, yeah, so I also watched a Netflix original film, uh, Wheelman with Frank Grillo, uh, which is kind of like a CD baby driver without all the cutesy stuff, uh, without the music and without the romance. It's about, uh, you know, hoodlums um, or pretty much Frank Grillo's character. He's a wheelman. And things go south. And, uh, yeah, it's a crime drama. I thought it was really good. Um, I watched Bright, the, uh, Joel Egerton and Will Smith, uh, medieval cop film. I'm not a sure medieval cop film? Well, yeah, it's like orcs and elves and fairies are now in like present day. Oh, oh, Bright. Okay. Yeah, I missed the title. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't oh, hear you. Yeah, Bright. Um, okay. I, I really like Bright as well. Um, I on uh, Shutter, I watched their exclusive Mayhem with uh, Steven Yo. I think that's how you pronounce his oh, name. Yeah. From Brent uh, suggested that one. He said it was good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I like office horror films, so that was really good. Um, last few films, really quickly here. I watched Mudbound, which I believe is up for some Oscars as well. With hmm. Mary, I think Mary J. Blige is up for uh, best actress or best supporting actress. Um, about uh, two families on a cotton farm in during the, um, I guess, just after the Second World War. So it's in the okay. South, there's still segregation. So it's before, you know, the schools. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, and last one of, of, of note, uh, I watched Mr. Holmes, which is uh, Ian uh, McKellen's uh, film, or uh, pardon me, he plays Sherlock Holmes. But an ultimate okay. Sherlock Holmes at like the tail end of his life, where like he should be going to a no folk home because he starts forgetting things and whatnot. Um, I thought it was a beautiful film. I liked that one a lot. So mm. that's all movie wise. Um, as for TV, I did watch a few uh, series. Uh, I watched Toast of London season one uh, with Matt Berry from the IT Crowd and from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Hmm. I don't know. No. I don't. Never heard of that one. Oh, it's a UK. Uh, it's I think it's a BBC show. Um, oh, okay. where he plays Stephen Toast. He's like a twenty-year actor of stage, and he's in the worst play ever. And it's just him trying to get a break with like doing voiceovers and commercials. It's very mm-hmm. funny. Um. Oh, I finished Hemlock Grove season three. I finished it on the plane okay. to Mexico. Maybe that's why I got sick. Um. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh yeah, season three was actually uh <laughs> it was actually lots of fun to watch. Uh, I do shit on the show a lot. I thought season one was horrendous. Season two got better, season three was really good. So it ties up the whole show. It doesn't need a fourth season, it's done. I'm happy. Um yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm also watching uh I started watching uh, Peaky Blinders season one, which is a gangster show in the year of nineteen nineteen in the UK. So oh, okay. that's really cool. Um, and I finished season one of Life in Pieces. That's a, hmm. uh, it's a sitcom that I believe it was on like CBS or something. Uh, it's okay. still ongoing. It's got Colin Hanks is in it. Um, um, it's got uh, Diane Weist. It's, it's a family. So it's a sitcom, but it's a, it's a family sitcom where the show's only half hour long, 23 minutes with commercials and it's cut into four segments and it, it dives into one piece of, every family. So it's got, you know, the mother and the father and then two sons and a daughter and with their families, because they're all like grown up, you know, um, mm-hmm. for a network sitcom. It's dirty, 
but like hmm. not in an obvious way. You just have to think about it. Like the words they use. It's very funny. Like I'm laughing out loud. And this is on a network sitcom. Um, no laugh track. It's it's filmed. It's no studio audience. Uh, I really liked it. Um, and I think that's it for TV. Uh, okay. oh, I'm still watching some. Um, I'm still catching up on uh, Amazon's uh, uh, World Tour. Uh, that uh, car show. I'm a few episodes behind. I think the season just ended. So oh, okay. On that um, video game wise. Um, so okay. So I finished Zelda. I started playing uh, Wonder Boy in Monsterland, and oh yeah, and I practically finished the game while I was in Mexico because I was bedridden for about a day or two. Um, oh, okay. game was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I, I played it with mm. the um, newer graphics and the newer sound. Mm-hmm. Um, they had an orchestra or at least people from an orchestra actually redo all the music. So it's, it's, it sounds beautiful and the graphics are amazing. I loved it. They've added some, uh, underworld, uh, levels, I guess, to make it a little more difficult. So I still have a few of those levels that to do, but I practically 100%ed the game. Um, I hmm. started playing Stardew Valley, but I wasn't really getting into it. So I started playing uh, Darkest Dungeon on the Switch, and I am having an absolute blast playing that. It's okay. A, it's a um, think of like Arkham Asylum and Cthulhu and Lovecraft, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like that. So it's like set in like the eighteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen. Um, your family has this house, this big mansion. They open a portal to hell where monsters come out now, like like uh, cosmic horror and like Cthulhu style monsters, like fishmen and tentacles and shit like that. And you have to come back home and like destroy the monsters and patch up the patch up uh, the hole. And you have to go through these dungeons. So you recruit all these warriors and different classes. You know, there's houndsmen, there's there's knights, there's jesters and they have to go through these dungeons and the more they go to the dungeons and see these horrors the more they go insane so you have to heal them it's half so it's it's a turn-based rpg but there's so much management but it's so much fun i'm only scratching the surface on like strategy wise um but i am loving it so i wholly recommend that it's on ipad it's on pc it's on uh the ps4 I'm assuming it's on Xbox, but it's a wonderful game. The art style is awesome. The narration, the guy's voice is amazing. Um, I'm really digging that. I'll probably make a post on that maybe this weekend or somewhat. But uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, I've am I've kept busy in the last few months. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That sounds like a lot of yeah. good oh, shit. And big video game news that came out today is that uh, Burnout uh, Paradise City is getting a remaster. Yeah, I just yeah. saw that. 40 bucks. All the I wish it was coming to the Switch. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't see I don't, I don't I don't I don't see myself buying the game right away because I heard it's going to $40 yeah. price point but it includes all the DLC. But that was their first PS3 mm-hmm. game I had and I haven't touched mm-hmm. that in years. So I don't know if I'd buy it, but at the same yeah. time, I guess it'll reboot the server so you can play online again. So I'm debating because I've been jonesing for a new uh, legit burnout game. I was hoping it mm-hmm. wouldn't be a remaster of Paradise City, though, because that's the first game I plat or I, I um, actually uh, platinumed on the PS3. So I yeah, I, that, I've yeah. done pretty much everything I needed to do the first time mm-hmm. around. 
So, so we'll see. Yeah, if it was on the Switch, I would definitely be getting it. But uh, where it has it stands now, I probably won't be getting it uh, at least right away, just because I already have I already have it digitally for uh, Xbox, I believe. Well, so I just don't need just it. That's just EA giving you know the Switch the same support it always has. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. so. Oh, but they're adding loot boxes. <laughs> yeah, are they really? Or are you joking? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. They, they absolutely could be so. Oh, they, they, they sure could. Yeah, they hey, you want a new color for your car? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but that is all for me. I've Excellent. spoken uh, enough, so. Well, good shit. Well, yeah. with that under our belts, let's move over to our review for the day. So we are talking about Dead Snow from 2009. And as always, there will be spoilers for Dead Snow. So if you have not watched the film, hit pause in the podcast, go on and watch it, come on back and hit play. And listen to our review slash discussion of it. So again, there will be spoilers. So Dead Snow has a original Norwegian theatrical release date of January 9th, 2009. It was directed by Tommy Workola, written by Tommy Workola and Stig Frode Henriksen. Oh boy, I butchered those. Uh, hey, that's Roy. Yeah. Uh, it has an IMDb score of 6.3 out of the 58,000. 522 current votes, has a Metacritic score of 61, a tomato meter score of 68%, and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 56%. It currently holds 3.01 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd based on 6,235 ratings. It had an $800,000 budget, excuse me, and grossed just under $2 million at $1.98 million, and it clocks in at 91 minutes. Are you surprised at all by these ratings? Yes. No. Okay. I think it should be higher. Okay. Interesting. Well, then we have an interesting discussion in front of us, it sounds like. Perfect. So how did you guys well, – what's your history with Dead Snow? Actually, I think I know it, but remind our listeners what your history is with Dead Snow. Um, I watched it a while back. Um, I, I think okay. – I don't know if somebody picked it for me to watch or, or one of you guys was talking about it, but it was within the last two years, so. Yeah. Yeah, and I bought uh, this on Bluey when it first came out. I think I heard about this on the Rue Morgue boards while it was still a thing, message boards. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so I've, I pretty much bought this. I, I've seen this pretty much right after it was released. Okay. So ne- never saw it in theaters, but uh, I bought the Blu-ray as soon as, uh, as soon as it was available. All right, very good. Yeah, and uh, myself, so I – just like Ashley, you were saying there, I thought for sure when, when Mark brought this film up that we'd already reviewed this on the podcast. And I thought it was back when we were reviewing multiple films. And so we only spent about 10, 15 minutes on a movie, but I went back to that podcast to find it and it wasn't there, but all three, um, Chris, you, Ash and myself all watched it around the same time. So we must've just talked about it off air or something. So that's when I watched it was back whenever that was, um, and I have not watched it since. Um, and I did not own this on Blu-ray or DVD, so I had to rent it off of Amazon Prime and oh. HD for three ninety nine. And it was subtitled, fortunately. So that's yeah, how I watched it. Shutter is uh, streaming both this and the sequel, Dead Snow Two, right now. Oh, uh, does it have it on there? Damn it! Yeah, yeah. I um, I watched it originally on Blu-ray for the podcast, and I rewatched it today. I got home a little earlier, and I rewatched oh, okay. it right before on Shutter. So, gotcha. uh, at least on Shutter Canada, the uh, first two films are available. Very good to know. Perfect. Um, excellent. So, 
Yeah, diving right in here. I really loved the um, the opening music. Um, I I don't yeah. know. It's a very famous like some music. I can't remember what the hell it's called. But um, yeah, uh, is it in the halls of the Witcher King okay. or some uh, in the halls of the Mountain King? Uh, oh, uh, halls of the Mountain King. Yeah, I love okay, yeah. I love this piece of music. Yeah, it's set. It was very interesting because it sets a it sets an almost goofy tone. Um, played against something that's like far more sinister with this girl running away from something. Obviously, we find out that it's zombies. Um, but I really like how, just how they use that. Um, and specifically, they're, they use this pause leading up to the jump scare, which is actually something that we see in um, Cloverfield Paradox that I, I mentioned that I really liked. Um, that just works well. They have this crescendo, and then they have this crescendo leading up to her being eaten. eaten. And I thought that worked really well also. I thought that was a very strong kind of opening little number there i like that mm-hmm. yeah uh, i didn't think this song was really goofy um because I, I i think the way it like you know it starts really like we're already the song's already going when you know uh, this scene's happening but it really starts really mm-hmm. slowly and it's just it's a crescendo so what we're hearing is like the crescendo of of the film and uh i i just it works well with Nazi zombies, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, because you with with where they they, they started the song and she's running. So like this is like a heightened situation right off the bat. And I just right. thought this was a great way to get people's blood pumping, especially horror fans, because you know this song is heard into you know it, it, to me it, it, it comes back to again to like a, a, a Lovecraftian horror in a way, and uh, you know it's played into so many different horror films that it, it sets you in the right tone right off the bat, at least for myself, because you know th- again this film is right up my alley in it in its tone, and I thought this was a great start to it. Yeah, and this is this is my problem with it. And and this time along with the first one, it's like, this is supposed to be like a horror comedy and it just, it sets it off like it's a pure horror flick and, and it's not. (laughs) See, but I didn't get that. That's why I really like, to me, that's, that's why I use the word goofy because it felt like something was, it it wasn't a a typical horror uh, kind of song that I would hear. Um, And so that's what kind of. It it played against like the images playing were opposite what the what the song was in my head, and so I think that's okay. why it worked for me. Well, I think I think it sets off your your horror radar off the bat, but then next next scene is you know uh, you meet all the other characters and it's very funny. So I I, I think it you know the, the the in the first ten minutes of the movie you do get the contrast of scary and funny, and that just continues on. It becomes like a big swirl by the end of the film because it gets pretty ridiculous by the end. Right. Yeah. Um, and I like that this had a very similar opening to Cold Prey, with the uh, uh, the opening car ride with the group of friends talking. I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, I'm like I'm watching Cold Prey, and I saw you know Dead Snow first. I'm like, right. this is practically the exact same thing. <laughs> exactly, very very similar. Um, I, I love. It correct me up when they called the snowmobile the snow scooter. I thought it it neutered the the badass appeal of riding a snowmobile. I'm like, you're calling it a fucking snow scooter. That's such a lame name. You know, <laughs> that it, made it, me laugh. It's a snow scooter, but it's also a death machine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was saying that 
And I've not heard this, and maybe you guys have, and this is like common knowledge, but I've actually not heard this, that Friday the 13th part two was just, some people consider that just a remake of the first film, but with a bigger budget. Was that the, he was talking about Friday the 13th, wasn't he? Was he talking about that or was he already Evil Dead 2? Oh, maybe that's what he was saying. That would make sense. That I've heard. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. That's what it was. I th- okay. I didn't want to like, rewind. The, the, the mom yeah. isn't in Friday 2. Right. Exactly. Or, that's mean, why I was so confused. Maybe in the flashback or something or like in yeah. his head. But yeah. So I'm like, it doesn't really work as a remake. <laughs> you know? No. Yeah, no, Ash, you're absolutely right. That has to be what it is. It has to be Evil Dead. And they have all those obviously Evil Dead uh, homages. So I'm sure that's what it was. That makes a lot more sense. The, the Evil Dead homage, the, you know, the brain dead homage or dead mm-hmm. alive, you know? So yeah. Right. You, you know, the film's going to get sticky when they mention evil dead early in the film. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, tubing on a snowmobile, that just seemed dangerous. Like what? to be fair, I'm, I'm not going tubing on a, on the water either. Cause it's just not what I do. Okay. But man, I was like, shit, they're going to go flying and they're going to hurt themselves. I mean, that looks like fun. I I went tubing once uh, with a tube on an icy parking lot uh, being towed by a car. (laughs) Oh my god! You know what happens? They do things differently up in Canada when when you when the tube falls from under you and Mm -hmm. uh, you're just being dragged by a car. Let go of the rope because you're gonna get some nasty bruising. Exactly. Oh, that just does not sound like my my my. idea of fun but well, you know it's funny because like being sick in in mexico and having such a, a horrible like travel um mm-hmm. i realized like i'm a nordic kid so like i i don't mind the cold <laughs> i'm from winnipeg yeah. so really right. you know like even today in Ottawa, it's plus two degrees outside you know uh last week it was like minus 25 so hmm. I, I don't mind the cold i can handle it's it celsius everybody celsius oh yes yeah, we don't know celsius, what that sorry. is in in fahrenheit but Fucking it's not cold and then cold. Yeah, exactly. It's like thirty-four. <laughs> all, okay. Wait, no, wait. You said what? Negative two? You said no. Positive uh, yeah. two today. No, it, it's positive two today. Yeah, so that's like thirty-four degrees. That's still fucking cold. Wow. Yeah, I didn't wear. I didn't wear a parka today. I wore a hoodie. <laughs> oh, there you go. We had record highs of like sixty-five degrees today in Detroit. So there's that. Yeah, we had seventy-three uh, today. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Absolutely nuts. We don't know if that's good or not. Yeah. Is that good? You know, get rid of my fucking snow, man. We had so much this past week. So glad oh. it's gone. So are you guys wearing shorts? Uh, no, I still did. still wearing my coat. I but. Did people oh. wearing shorts, yeah. Today, yeah. Hmm. Um, I loved how flirty. I, I can't. I, so, like, I didn't have anybody's name. Chris, I think, is her name. Chris, how, uh, the girl. Yeah, yeah. How flirty Chris was with the movie nerd because it's just like that. Like, all of us are the movie nerd, you know, in the film. Yeah. And so, like, I was like, yeah, I get it, because Chris was like the most gorgeous of the group, anyway. So I was like, yes, Chris or uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Erland. Erland is winning. Erland. Yes. Yes. Well, it's funny because like we we peg Roy right off the bat as the like sex machine. Yeah. But as soon as Erlen is dropping, you know, films and he's getting more and more obscure. Exactly. And then she yeah. throws it back at him, especially with the April Fool's Day. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't think Roy's going to get late tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That cracks me up. Um, This was such a weird fucking moment. So... Again, I don't have anybody's name down, but uh, the okay. boyfriend and girlfriend couple, he like oh, literally- Martin and Hannah. 
He literally fucking suffocates her with the pillow. And then when she gets mad, he's like, oh, it was just a joke. I'm like, man, Norwegians have a weird sense of fucking humor. That was yeah, so I, weird. I didn't get that either because he was like, she was playing with a spoon to test his knee reflex, yeah. his uh, reflex in his knee and then hits him in the, in the head in, instead, right? So he's yep. like, well, I want to show you the medieval anti, uh, I guess, anti anyways, to put somebody to sleep in medieval times, right? So, yeah, he's practically just, like, you know, smothering her with a pillow. <laughs> so random and weird. And he gets, he gets you know, lost in the moment. But, yeah, that yeah. was a weird scene from Martin. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the uh, the introduction of the creepy old guy, which is obviously a staple in, uh, you know, films like this. So, yep. um, he... Man, I there's about a zero percent chance that that motherfucker would have made it through my door because he was creepy, showing up in the middle of the night in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, it was just like man, and he turns out to be this fucking asshole. I'm like, really? Like you're a fucking prick. Like they let you into their place, gave you coffee, and now you're being an asshole, saying, oh, you know. I bet you rich something about like them being rich kids that have never blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wow, what a, I, just, I fucking hated that guy. See, I had that mentality when I first saw the film. Like, who is mm-hmm. this fuck? Now that I'm a bit older, I understand. He's like, he's like the Harbinger from, um, what's that movie? Uh, oh, shit. The house. Oh, uh, the fil- Cabin in the Woods. Uh, you know, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. He's like the gas station attendant in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> doom and whatnot. But just the way he's like the way he's speaking, kind of put, even though he's speaking Norwegian, kind of puts you at ease. And then I'm not a smoker, but then he rolls his own tobacco, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that the cigarette sounds am- it looks amazing right now. And <laughs> I, I'm allergic to smoke, you know. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And uh, you know, like, and the the kids are making jokes, but everything he says happens you know mm-hmm. from from uh from the limbs to uh, to the you know holding your own guts and like right everything is like you don't first time viewing you don't really realize and you're like the kids and don't really listen to them because you just want to get to the good stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. and now upon multiple rewatches like you listen to him and everything he says happens in the film no it does it absolutely does i just he he just rubbed me the wrong way. Just one of those guys. You know? I, I just because the kids were being brats and making jokes about his warning. You know, I, I'm like I kind of see know, his point of view. <laughs> I, I feel like to be fair, they were very serious about it until he just like kept going, and then finally there was like two jokes made at his expense. Yeah, and the second one is obviously where he like grabs the guy by the throat and is like, yeah. "Oh, what would you do?" Blah blah. blah. And so I don't know. I thought they were pretty respectful, all things considered. But. Oh, oh, totally agree. Like I would have expected yeah. the kids to, well, the kids, like they're university students, you know. Uh, but right, I, I would yeah, have expected med- them to, to fight back at all. But they all kind of froze because I mm-hmm. think they're all book smart. Yeah, know? exactly. Uh, but not street smart. Well, right. maybe not street, but like they're survival smart. Like they they know, like uh, uh, what's his name? Is it uh, is it uh, Ver- Vergardi who is the guy on the snowmobile? I think so. Like. He he's an outdoorsman, right? So he's got more mm-hmm. work to do. Um, but like right. like Martin, who wants to be a doctor but hates blood, and Roy, yeah. who's I'm not sure if he was in the army or not, but they, they tend to to just stand up like uh, like uh, candles and not move, you know. So yeah, when faced was- when when faced with like adversity, uh, it takes a lot, 
it takes them to the breaking point before they really start reacting back to the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it was established that Roy and, um, I forget who were both Erlin or in the military. Oh, oh Vergarda? The snowmobile guy? Yeah. Maybe Roy and Vergarda. Yeah. yeah. I, Cause I think he's, cause he's like, oh, I don't remember that from the military at one point, uh, when they're talking about like the spit, if you get in an avalanche gotcha. spit. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, um, so then, then obviously we start getting the zombies and I, what I liked about the zombies was that right from the beginning, like they're obviously not your typical zombies if they're slashing throats before they start eating them. And I thought that was really interesting. I, I like that about it. Um, and I really loved this shot. So this is, uh, this is when the creepy old guy gets killed. Yeah. They have such a fantastic shot of just like the orange in, uh, yes. uh, tent on the white background. In and the then darkness. the zombie, yeah, the zombie flies in and you just see the the red splatter on the tent. Yeah. That was a great fucking shot. I really like well, that. It, what I liked about this film is that they don't act like normal zombies because one, they're mm-hmm. smart and they're exactly. fast, you know? Yeah. And reading upon it, like I'm just looking at the trivia on the IMDb page. And uh, mm-hmm. it said that the zombies in this film or the monsters, it's a mixture of like popular zombies today and a, a nation yeah. north, a Norse mythical being known as a drog. And what a drog would oh. do is an ended being that would inhabit graves of important people, like royalty and like important men. And they would covet the treasures that these bodies would be buried with. And then they would protect these treasures as if it's their treasure. So that's why, you know, the Nazi zombies were so uh, adamant about getting, you know, their gold back is that, uh, you know, it's theirs and they're very protective. So, uh, yeah, so I thought it was really interesting because I'd never heard of this type of creature before. So I want to read more about it. Yeah, that was... <laughs> oh, is that really in Skyrim? Yeah, Draugr are all over Skyrim, and they're in. Yeah. As my wife pointed out, they're in the tombs and shit, protecting treasure. Oh, oh, there you go. Cool. There you go. Cool. Hmm. Um, like with Cold Prey, I and speaking of really cool shots, I just love the large, open, snowy mountain shots. It's just like that is to me very aesthetically pleasing to look at. I love that use of the shooting locations, and you got that with Cold Prey one and two. Um, I don't think we might not get it with the monitor because I think that's more of a in like a house drama type thing. But yeah. um, you know there are some cool, not as open, but some cool snowy shots in um, Let the Right One In as well. But um, I just I really love their use of the shooting locations, and that's one thing I really like about this arc and uh, just Norwegian films in general. Well, that's something else about this film because like this came out in '09, so mm-hmm. I had just started my Blu-ray uh, collection like in '08, yeah. yeah. so. Popping this on a big screen and oh, everything right. looks majestic. You mm-hmm. know, 1080p, the snow is white, the mountains. Yeah, it's a beautiful film to watch. Yeah, definitely. And then it gets really red. Yep, exactly. Very, very red. Um, you already mentioned it. I just thought this was so weird. Martin, not, he wants to be a doctor, but he like almost faints at the smallest bit of blood. I think that was so strange. And I feel like they don't really pay it off. Like they, introduce it but they don't really have a payoff for it so it's like why was it even there because all of a sudden he's just covered in blood and he's going you know what i mean well, like i don't know that was weird well it is funny because like hannah his girlfriend the girl with the dreads you know yeah. she's making supper cutting a carrot right she, she cuts her finger and he like has to look away yeah but by the end of the film you know uh and we'll mm-hmm. talk about it later on you know he's missing an arm he's got exactly. no balls and he is covered in grue 
you know yeah. so it's like his character uh did uh level up <laughs> the film right he went right. from timid to like you know nothing else to, like he's got nothing else to live for you know mm-hmm. character development yeah i just <laughs> that's what i was looking for yes leveling up yeah. but i feel like it would have like there should have been a payoff for that. Like whether it was just like a funny line, uh, a funny moment, or something. Well, not I, even funny necessarily, but something that tied that together. Well, I think him it, amputating his own arm, yeah, uh, is pretty much the payoff to that because he went well, from like you know not not being able to look at a paper cut and then be you know using a chainsaw on his own arm, mm-hmm. you know, and then. Being able to uh, start a fire to cauterize the wound. So, right. To me, that's the payoff to that because, like, from one extreme to another. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't see the the how, how like whether he had that um, aff- affection or not, mm-hmm. affectation or not, oh, like yeah. Aff- yeah, whatever. Whether he had that or not, like I feel like the it wouldn't have made any difference. Is I well, guess my point. And some people, you know. Uh, maybe he has like the reverse of one of my friends. One of my friends can handle it if someone else is bleeding, but the second they're bleeding, they freak out. Maybe he has, you know, I'm okay with my own blood, but other people's blood freaks me out. Yeah, but he has like everybody's blood on him by the end, right? Well, that, oh, oh, yeah. That might be part of it, too. <laughs> I guess yeah. it's kind of like the joke, too. You know, you have like a, a, a big uh, burly tattoo guy, but he hates needles, you know? Right. He'll, he'll look right. away if somebody draws his own blood. Or he'll mm-hmm. faint when he gets blood drawn. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> I just wrote down, oh my God, that might be the most unromantic and disgusting place to fuck on planet Earth. <laughs> like I, I would genuinely be like iffy to have sex with her, even as hot as she was at that point. If the fact that she's like willing to go out into the fucking outhouse and like sucks on his <laughs> finger after he just wiped his ass. Oh, that was just nauseating. Oh. Oh. Hilarious, but yeah, so gross. Like you're you're yelling "you" out loud to nobody. Exactly. Yeah. Because he goes, right. he goes like, s- "No, don't!" And she just puts oh, it all, yeah. like, oh, gagging. But hell, it's yeah. funny. Like that is really know, funny. Hilarious. And then, like minutes later, seconds later, she falls through the shitter, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like at this point, yes, give me death by zombie because it's probably better than <laughs> stewing in this shit. Well, it- Oh, it, so it just it just makes sucking the finger a minute ago not seem so bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I did like the fact that they used that established trope of her dying right after she had sex, though. I thought that was that was fun. What I found weird though is that when the Erlin goes back in the house all happy because he just got laid, and then like yeah, there was very little concern for her safety after. You know, like mm-hmm. he didn't announce to anybody that he had sex, but like when he was coming right. back in the room, he's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think the I, what I got was that the idea was that she was just in there using the restroom or whatever after they fucked and they were just waiting for her to come back. Yeah. I, I just felt it was a little nonchalant. Like he didn't seem to have that much concern. I guess at the same time, he doesn't mm-hmm. know what we know, right? But it, it just seemed like, right. okay, well, yeah. it's taking a really long time now, you know? Um, maybe I should go mm-hmm. and check. That's like true. he was very like aloof on the couch about it. No, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> my God. So obviously the three of them, they go out, they find the shotgun and they go out. And then the late, the girl, I forget which girl it was. She fucking pounds on the window to scare them. I'm like, that's a great idea to scare the guy yeah, with the shotgun. And I was so happy 
when they like made they had a line about he's like dude i'm carrying a fucking shotgun like what are you doing (laughs) that made me happy but like yeah i was like you idiot scare the guy with the shotgun yeah no that uh, that made me laugh as well and she reminded me a lot of the blonde girl from the first uh cold prey like not exactly like very similar they're they're very similar the film is very similar to begin with no definitely yeah um the scene went okay, so I feel like this is the point where we really start getting um a bunch of homages. Obviously, he was wearing uh Erlen was wearing the uh brain dead shirt a little bit earlier. Um, but we get the zombies attacking the house, and that was very, very night of the living dead. Um, like with the hands coming through just the way it was. Yeah, uh it was it, it was done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I really like that about it. Yeah. Really appreciated that. Probably this time because I'd actually seen I've seen Night of the Living Dead relatively recently, so that's probably why it stuck out this time as opposed to last what time. What I but. like though is the zombies are attacking the house. They tend to have a sense of humor as well because they had Chris's head in the window, mm-hmm. and then it's and, and then they just oh. kind of like yank it up and over their over their shoulder, you know, like in like in an arcing right. motion. It's like there's no way that uh, Chris is still alive, you know. So like they're kind of teasing the people inside the house, which. I thought it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved like the, so this is really like the first use of practical effects that I noticed when um, Erlen gets his head literally ripped yeah. in two um, and like yeah. the brains hit the ground. I mean, like that was the first time I wrote down practical effects and like I wrote it down probably 6 million times from here on out. Like that was such a strong and important aspect to this film was their incredible Excuse me, incredible use well, and, of practical and effects. And what's awesome about that scene, it's an homage as well to Brain Dead because I think the first, there's a death in Brain Dead that's exactly like a face ripping open. So, like. Oh, see, I've oh, not actually seen. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful Island, gore but. fest. Like, it's fantastic. Um, but, like, Erlen's death yeah. mimics a death in that film. They, uh, they did a oh, similar okay. death in Walking Dead, actually, um, like a couple years ago. Um, Oh really? No spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah, it, it, well, it, yeah it, I'm, it's not spoilers, but it's a similar effect, and and it's okay. it's done prac, you know, with a practical effect. But it just, yeah, they're both they're both fucking gross. <laughs> exactly, I love them. Um, I love when they're um they're trying to lure them. Oh yes, when um Roy and yeah Martin, I believe, are trying to lure yeah. them in. Um, he's like. I forget what he says, but after he's like, fuck, that was too much. They're really going to be pissed as if what they're saying matters like that. That really made me laugh. <laughs> well, I like that part. It, it, again, it's silly. like right now they're all pussycats, right? And uh, this is like mm-hmm. the initial it's, – it's it's a sort of a crescendo that gets really deafening by the end of the film. Yeah, definitely. I liked the uh, the caves that um, Snowmobile Dude of mm-hmm. uh, were was exploring. I really – I thought they would look genuinely creepy and just well done, those like ice caves. And it's a good way to cool. tell the – the story of like who we're dealing with without really having a lot of exposition. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You just find that Nazi flag. That was very good. Um, and I thought this was just ridiculous and it made me laugh. I liked it. Um, the idea that the Nazi zombie punches the snow, uh, uh, Vigard out of the cave instead of just like eating him right there. That just cracked me up. I don't know why it's just like, but, I don't know. It just made me laugh. I don't um, think any of the zombies really go ahead, ate. I'm sorry. Like nobody really chowed down. Like they, they dismembered, but they never chowed down on anybody, did they? I think at oh, the end they're shown like aren't they shown eating like the entrails of the 
Yeah, and maybe at girl, the beginning maybe. too, with the uh, with the with Sarah that we never really meet. I, th- I think they chowed right. on her, but yeah. it just seems like it's not. They're not driven by hunger; they're driven by their mm-hmm. by wealth, which is kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, and then again, like that zombie tries to knife him. I mean, there's just this. It's different, and I like. I really love that yeah. about it. Uh, I love the effects on the zombie kill who takes like the knife in the face. Um, it's just more evidence that using practical effects can just make any movie better if they're, you know, done with as well. Can you imagine this film with only CGI blood? Oh, I know. It'd be terrible. Oh, horrendous. Mm -hmm. Um, another cool moment was when her name wasn't Shannon, Hannah, Sarah, uh, she stomped Hannah with the, uh, with the dreads. Yes. yes. Yeah. Hannah. Hannah. Hannah yeah. When she stomped on the zombie and like you could just see its face being stomped in. I really, I thought that was really cool. It was super quick, but I thought it was a cool moment. Mm-hmm. And then like I was, we were just talking about like, you can see the zombies pulling the blonde girl's intestines out. Yeah. Um, and she still grabs the bomb and kills them. I thought that was fucking badass. And I really like the camera effect that they use there to like indicate that she's like dying. I, I like that. I guess yeah. that's Liv, right? Uh, that would be Liv, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was really cool because like she's waking up and then she realizes that, you know, they're just pulling her intestines out. <laughs> right. I'm like, fuck, oh, man. God, that would hurt. How much pain is she in right now? Mm-hmm. Exactly. One moment that made me laugh, it was so ridiculous, was when um, Hannah is climbing the tree uh-huh. and she, like the fucking bird won't shut up. So she grabs the bird and just like, smashes it on the tree until it dies that i was like oh my god that's so ridiculous well what's funny too is that like she realizes like she wants the bird to shut the fuck up so she can hide yeah and then yeah. when she meets so much noise zombies are just staring at her right. <laughs> yeah exactly and that then, part made me laugh and then i love how you know she jumps down and she's able to stab a zombie in the eye yeah in the air so what with time he lands you know he's he right it's like that's pretty cool yeah Oh man. And then uh, that's that right after that's when we kind of, we get back to where we started with a woman running through the woods with the zombies on her tail. Um, obviously we know it's not the same person, but it just, it makes, it takes things full circle. And yeah. so I appreciated that. I like that. Yeah. Um, and I admire the fact that, and didn't expect it. The fact that she like committed suicide in order to take out that zombie. I thought, wow, good for her. Yeah. I wasn't well, too, too what sure I thought was going to logic, you know, like mm-hmm. when you get to that cliff and it's, she's like, on a beautiful matte painting, you know, right. and then like I thought maybe that you know she was hoping that the zombie would run towards yeah. it, she can jump out of the way, but instead exactly. they both fall, you know, off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And then we get to use the stuff we learned earlier about the spitting, and then right. you, then you dig the opposite direction. So yeah, exactly. Again, everything in the film earlier on was foreshadowing, right? And then like, and then the two guys pop back up and I completely forgot about it. Martin and Roy. Yeah. And what is the first thing that he does? He fucking throws the Molotov cocktail and it doesn't get out of the shed. So he starts burning the shed instead. Oh well, yeah. Cause he was trying to throw it out the window, right? Well, yeah. And, they're, they're still barricaded yeah. in the cottage. And then, yeah. you know, he Dumbass. wants to throw it out the window and then hits the inner wall. <laughs> and so right. now there, uh, they have to leave because everything's on fire now. So they run to the shed, which I thought they were running towards yeah. the outhouse. I didn't realize it was another shed. Um, oh yeah. So then they run towards the uh, towards the shed, and this is where they get their first Evil Dead moments with all the weapons. Right. Yeah. And then I love the. There's a couple of lines. He's like, "Fuck the cunt hung up on me," and then a couple of seconds later, he's like, "Fucking Nokia, the battery's out." <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> 
so ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's so it's so funny. Um, I know. I was laughing. And then you've got Martin that takes out that picks up you know a hammer and he's or he he gets a, he gets the uh, uh, the uh, chainsaw, but then you got Roy yeah. who's got the hammer and the sickle, which I thought was very sickle. funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I like that. Um, yeah, so that's we. So this is actually the second quick cut technique. So they use this quick t- cut technique that's that we saw when we reviewed the Evil Dead movies. Yes, um, and and the series, and uh, it's actually the second time we're seeing. Obviously, we, you know this time with the weapons, but before we saw it, when the snowboard guy, the guard, was making his lantern to check out the um, the caves, they actually use that same quick cut technique. Yeah. Um, and they use it a third time later on, which we'll, I'm sure we'll mention as we mm-hmm. go, but obviously a very evil dead homage. Um, and, uh, you know, I just appreciated it. I'm surprised um, Martin did not say groovy. I, I, I expected a groovy, I mean, like, you know, the fucking fat, his, eventually he loses his arm and he cuts off. He has the, the chainsaw. I mean, yeah, it was evil yeah. dead. Yeah. <laughs> but, but prior uh, to that, it just becomes one big slaughter of zombies. Where they're just mm-hmm. hacking and slashing and shooting and and this exactly. when they first come across the zombies when they're fully armed and there's this Norwegian yeah. song playing. Oh yeah, yes, and it's like a party song because you yeah. hear accordions and I'm like, this is awesome. Like again, which is I, I think about it, it gives me goose pimples. Which is so different because I f- a lot of the music up to this point, aside fr- like a lot of the licensed music up to this point was like yeah. Norwegian metal. And then all of a sudden yeah. we get like this party song. And that's when I wrote down, I was like, I love the music in this film and, you know, a lot of it falling into the, the metal genre. Um, mm-hmm. But it just, it worked really, really well there when those, those guys were exactly what we're talking about. And that's when we get like the sickle and hammer moment, uh, just a badass scene with all the practical effects. Before that though, See, we have. point where I, I actually started to find it amusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Like At that. this point, it, it's balls out stupid, you know, but right. in a good way. Like, it's yeah. it, like as a horror fan, the gore that you see and all the, mm-hmm. all the, you know, just the smashing of, of a zombie's head, with, like Roy's got the hammer and he just, he's going to town in the head. We're pretty much just, just like the lower jaw left and he just keeps going still. Like, yeah. You have to, it's, it's platter and you have to enjoy the, uh, the, the splatterist, uh, the splatter right. gore. I just love it. Because yeah, it doesn't definitely. happen often, you know, especially exactly. with a decent budget. You don't mm-hmm. see it done well. You see it right. on an indie film with one good effect, mm-hmm. but to be done on such a large scale, it it's just it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and then, like a little bit before this, um, go back to Vigard. I love that moment when he is trying to like sew himself shut because obviously they're yes. all medical students and like yeah. the blood spurting out of his neck oh, <laughs> yeah. gruesome. and then he's eventually just like fuck it and just duct tapes himself i thought that was that was such a cool <laughs> yeah he lost so much blood i know it's crazy and, it, and then you know you he he's stitching his neck up and then the camera pans down to like where the like the foothold on his uh skidoo is and mm-hmm. it's just dripping and yeah like, so cool again the white landscape you know it just yep. contrast exactly i know that's why hitchcock liked blonde so much because blood showed up on blonde hair better than brunettes mm-hmm. red on white it just works um and then real quick you already talked about it but that uh the um, the foreshadowing of the spitting when you're stuck in the image blah, blah blah one thing i really liked about that shot was that the director spins the camera 
So it kind of puts us in the same like, fuck, what's up? What's down? We don't know. And I really liked that a lot. I thought that was very well done. Just yeah. smart filmmaking. Yeah. And just um, the fact that you know, you know what direction she's going just by the yeah. shot from her nose. Exactly. Yeah. Very Blair Witch. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I loved the uh, when he hits the, hits a zombie with the with the snow scooter, um, and then like the practical effect of him actually killing the zombie under the snowmobile afterwards. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, but it's not then, all fun and games though, because then I don't know how after she falls off the cliff, but then when Hannah comes back to meet up with Martin Roy, mm-hmm. so sad. oh yeah, oh it's it's so sad. So like leading up to that, we get this. So obviously all three of them are there. The zombies are dead and it's kind of like quiet. And then the guy's like, so where have you been? (laughs) And so it's like this really like awkward, funny, just out of place exchange between these these three friends when the fighting is seemingly done. Um, Just all covered in, you know, head to toe in blood. Yeah. And which is, was very funny. Um, And then obviously fucking Vigard gets stabbed again and then just literally ripped apart which looked fucking awesome limb from limb ripped apart uh and then you have all this humor and then boom it's like what the fuck like what first off why in the flying fuck would she approach him without saying anything that's a good question because martin is in a uh, zombie frenzy right now just stabbing away she like she taps him on the shoulder and then he just turns around and stabs her in the neck Mm -hmm, exactly it's like, man, what a stupid decision. And it just costs you your life. Like, man, but that sucks. It, and that's really like the first truly emotional and frankly, like the only really emotional moment in the film. But like they go yeah. for it. Like when they're staring at each other and like they start tearing up and it's like, fuck, like this is a different, this is different. That, you know? That's the thing. Cause like nothing is really said because one Hannah can't really talk and Martin is in a state exactly. of shock, but it's everything's exactly. said in the eyes, the way she looks at him lovingly. And the way he looks back at her, like, what did I do? You know, it's not, it's mm-hmm. pretty much, again, it, it kind of goes back to the whole, you know, I'm, I'm choked. Uh, I'm smothering you on the couch. It's like, a, it, it's not yeah. my fault. He he gave her like, the, it's not my fault. Right. I was like, I didn't do this on purpose. You know, I'm only mm-hmm. kidding. So it, it's, it's yeah. like the one big tragedy in the film mm-hmm. that and the whole ball bite, but we'll get to that. <laughs> right. Ash. I'm really curious what what did you make of this moment? Was did this work for you, or did it fuck with the tone too much? Um, no, because it it kind of brought back the the serious things a little bit. I because it, it like like Mark had said, it got like really stupid funny for a while, and it was just like yeah. you know it. I think it was good that they kind of brought it back. You know, hey, you know this is still fucked up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. Okay, good. Um. And then just like more practical effects to talk about, like, I forget who it was, but, um, oh, it might've been Martin who's bitten. And then by like the last zombie. Yeah. And then like the other, uh, Roy like busts his head open and like the brains, the way they come and like fall out on him was just so fucking brutal and amazing looking. With Roy, Um, it's not just, you know, him getting hammered in the head, but then mm -hmm. running at a tree and then having intestines being like caught on the branch and then him running with the intestines. Exactly. God, that was so crazy. (laughs) So meaty. Exactly right. Yeah. I love that line. You're half Jewish. They wouldn't recruit you. That's what uh, Roy (laughs) says to Martin. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Um, and then he pulls the evil dead by cutting his arm off. Uh, and then they really, like I said, really drive that home with that. Other, that's where the third quick cut sequence comes in. Um, and then when everything looks like, okay, he's going to make it. Boom. He gets his balls bitten off and it's like, oh shit. Well, what's hilarious is that, you know, like he does the amputation, he cauterizes, yeah. he gives Roy a smile like, hey, it's not so bad. Look what I just did. Exactly. And zombie out of nowhere from uh, from underneath his feet, going mm-hmm. gets, like lurches up and just bites him right in the crotch. <laughs> and the yep. look on his, on his face like, what the fuck? What, what else right. can I go through? Oh, I, just, I know. It, it's moments like this which make me love this movie. um i love right after that the use of the silence um the shots switching between the two guys and then like the army of zombies after he says rise um and then finally we just see the shot of them running away Uh, i just thought that worked really well to drive home that comedic moment i like that yeah um yeah and then we already talked about it with the hammer and then just the entrails leading from the tree was so gruesome Oh man, I right after that I really love the the golden hour shot of our um our survivor Martin running away through the mountains. That was just a another aesthetically pleasing shot to look at. I thought that was really really well done. Um so then obviously he finds the box of treasure basically, offers it to him and he think and then he like gets away, right? Cuz basically pays his way out. Yeah. And then we get like that perfect final moment where the fucking coin that they put into his pocket earlier falls out. He picks it up and says, oh, fuck, as we see the zombie next to the window and we go to fade to black as the movie ends. I thought that was just like the perfect way to end this film. Oh, totally. Totally was. Because at the same time, he didn't know the coin was in his pocket because Han had slipped it exactly. into, his, into, slipped into his pants. You know, right. so he thinks he's he's safe now. And then... yep. Punch through the glass credits. Yes, that was awesome. Excellent. So do you have anything else that you want to um, share that you've discovered with this film? Or should we move on to our final thoughts and our star rating? Uh, well, the, uh, the Blu-ray did not have a commentary track, but it did have okay. a, because I guess Dead Snow did go to Sundance. Um, oh. I didn't rewatch it, but I remember watching it the first time. And uh, mm-hmm. all I could remember was uh, the guy who plays Erlen, uh, J.P. Beck Lauritsen. He had like a coal yeah. sore on his lip and I felt so bad. For him. Oh, <laughs> just because like, he's, <laughs> oh. he's at, uh, he's at Sundance and uh, there's all these That's girls there and he's got this like, you know, they're filming all this stuff and he's got this big coal sore and oh, man. Like, I remember the most. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, he was in uh, Hansel and Gretel, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, which I really like surprisingly. Oh, directed by the same director. Ah, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. I really like that movie. Roy was in there too. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm excited for that next one. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, you were talking about before the podcast that Dead Snow 3 is coming. Yeah. And interestingly, that's not listed under his um, IMDb at all. So that's weird. When we were talking about uh, possible uh, future arcs and going through like horror movies for 2018, um, it's on a website I've never, I don't know. So I don't know oh, how okay. incredible it is, but uh, I did right. see that, and they did mention uh, Zombie Hitler. So fingers crossed. Hmm. Absolutely, excellent. So we'll start with you, Ash. What are your final thoughts and your star rating for Dead Snow? Uh, I unfortunately, I didn't 
a second watch through didn't really kind of solidify my thing for this. I, I still think the second movie is a much better film than this one. Um, it, it hits the note right off the bat. Like this one, it just, it took too long for me to even, even knowing it's supposed to be a comedy. It just doesn't get, it didn't get amusing for me until later on when they just way get way over the top. And I don't know. I don't know. It, it has some great moments. The The effects work is fantastic. Um, I have to give it that either way. Um, but uh, overall, I, I think it's just kind of eh, in the middle. I give it a two out of four. All right. So two out of four from Ash. And what about you, Mark? I loved it, loved it, loved it. There's nothing I would change for this movie. I think it builds our characters uh, so that when shit hits a fan, you actually care for them. Um, the zombies are, uh, are well fleshed out. They feel like they're br- living, breathing people, you know? Um, it's a departure on your regular zombie trope with some uh, Norse mythology slapped into it. Again, it's Nazi zombies. Who doesn't like a good Nazi zombie comedy? Um, special <laughs> effects were awesome. I love the whole cast. Uh, there's n- nothing I dislike. Even the music I like. It's a beautiful film. You should, everybody should have this on Blu-ray or get Shudder. Um, I give this four out of four. Awesome. Fantastic. So four out of four from Mark. So yeah, Dead Snow is a perfect example of why I love giving films a second chance. The first time I watched it, I thought it was just a little bit above average. This time through, though, I really loved it. The practical effects are wonderful, um, and they really help elevate this silly story to something much more than that. I really enjoyed all of the other, um, all the nods to the other like Cabin in the Wood type films, um, and I really wonder if maybe I just didn't get all of them last time through, which is why I didn't appreciate it as much. Um, because I have watched, you know, so many movies since then. I'm sure I just got a lot more this time. Um, but either way, I'm so happy that we decided to review this one because it's so much damn fun. The only gripes I have with it are very minor. You know, I would have loved the tone of the film to be a bit more consistent throughout. Because um, at points, it, it veers heavy to the horror aspect. Then we get a quick shift to the comedy. And sometimes it just it just felt like it it just left it feeling like it wasn't sure if it was trying to be a horror film with comedic aspects or a full out horror comedy film, if that makes sense. Um, and I did start to feel the runtime towards the end a very little bit. So I feel like maybe the last 20 minutes could have been chopped, uh, chopped up a bit to shave maybe five to seven minutes off the runtime and it wouldn't hurt the film at all. But like I said, I, 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 those are very, both of those are just very minor gripes and I thoroughly enjoyed what dead snow had to offer. Now, I really now want to check out the sequel, which I hear is even better than this one. So I definitely need to check that one out as soon as I can. But I mean, this film surprised the hell out of me. I'm so glad that I got to see it again, and I cannot wait to watch it again in the future. So I'm giving Dead Snow three and a half out of four stars. And if our listeners would have come through, as Mark might argue, uh-huh. we could have been reviewing Dead Snow 2 in a couple weeks. <laughs> I, 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 I am going to rewatch Dead Snow 2 just because, but I just yeah. remember... The way the film ends is one of the most epic ways to end a film of this series. So, oh, okay. Yeah. And I, I can't recall everything from the film because I haven't watched it as much as I did this one. Um, but I do remember that the end of the movie is so fucking awesome. I, I think okay. I'm going to shed a tear because it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just it, it, I was overcome with emotion of like, I can't believe this is happening. So, right. yeah, I, I might even rewatch it tonight. 
Maybe not. I don't oh, know. But go. soon. Yeah, we'll we'll soon. see. We'll see. Yeah. Excellent. Very good. So let's uh, head over to round 50 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge. So this, of course, where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. So as a reminder for this feature, each of us takes a look at the other's unwatched file, be it their home video collections or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and pick one film that the other hasn't seen yet and challenge him to watch that film before the next podcast, where they then give a quick review of that film. All right. So, and then just to remind our listeners what we're talking about today. So Mark, you chose 2009's Sand Serpents for me to review. Sand Serpents. Sand Serpents. I chose Terror at 10 Killer from 1986 for you to review. And Ash, I chose Moana like a half a year ago what, la- from 2016. Last summer. Hey, last summer. Hey, yeah. You know what? You know, quit whining. Gee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Ash, let's hear about it. How? Go ahead and talk about Moana. Uh, oh, you want me to start first? Let's see how this is. Yeah, absolutely. Um. I have a I have a secret confession. Uh, I absolutely love most Disney movies. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, a well constructed Disney movie is good for kids and good for adults. And I think Moana hits. Or sorry, Moana. I, I am I saying it right? Yeah, Moana. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I called it Mona when I first talked about it on the podcast, <laughs> and I had to be corrected. So oh, wait, was, was she on Who's the Boss? but anyway uh and i think moana kind of hits all of that um there's there's a lot of uh it's a great uh uh i guess a polynesian yeah well i guess it's based off a polynesian folktale if i remember right that sounds right yeah um and it, it it hits that note great uh, it's a great family movie either way, and there's a lot of great jokes. I loved some of the stuff they did with The Rock. Uh, you know, just just his delivery cracked me up on a lot of the stuff. The songs are fun. The the uh, visuals were fantastic, um, and it's just it was just a lot of fun. Um, the uh, you know, it, it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, and the chicken absolutely cracks me up. And the fact that Alan Tudyk provides the voice for the chicken when it doesn't actually talk is hilarious. <laughs> um, right. But uh, no, so uh, hmm? hey, hey, yeah, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, the chicken. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, no, I absolutely loved it. Um, a great watch uh, right up there with Lilo and Stitch. One of my favorites. Uh, I'm going to give it a three and a eh, No, I'm going four out of four on that one. I absolutely loved it. Four out of four. Perfect. Yeah, I think. I was very surprised, uh, but I really liked it as well. Bridget like is obsessed with the soundtrack. And so whenever we're in her car where it's like always pops, it's always coming on. Um, and I hadn't seen it until it finally hit Netflix. Um, and so I wasn't sure if I'd like it or not, but uh, I ended up loving it. So it was, it's very, very good film. So excellent. So four stars from Moana from Ash. So Mark, how? <laughs> yes. Terror at 10 Killer. What do you got for us here, buddy? Oh, big pile of shit. Like right now, <laughs> uh, my computer is sitting in a uh, small bedroom and there's a litter box 
for the uh, for the cats. And Addie, her youngest cat, likes to take really um, smelly dumps because she's eating everything right now. And I thought, wait a minute, are we playing this movie in the bedroom? There's no television. No, it was a litter box I was smelling, not the movie Terra Ten Killer. <laughs> uh, Oh, man. So this came out in 1986, a shot-on-video uh, slasher film uh, directed by Ken Meyer, ri- written by Claudia Meyer. I don't know if there's a relation or not, um, but hmm. it's about two girls, Leslie and Jana. Uh, Jana, Jana, uh, J-A-N-N-A, Jana. Oh, okay. Jana, I don't know how you pronounce it. No, no, I'm sure you're right. I heard Jana yeah. for some reason. I don't know how it's pronounced in Fahrenheit, so, um, but... Uh, <laughs> Jana is being stalked by her ex-boyfriend. So Leslie, who goes back uh, to her cottage uh, every summer, decides to take her along. And they spend the summer at the Ten Killer, which is a perfect name for a nice little cute quaint town. Um, Soon enough, after they show up, uh, people start dying. So is it the boyfriend that uh, is stalking Jana? Or could it be somebody else? Well, tell you what, it, it's Tor. It's the handyman at the uh, at the docks that's killing everybody. Uh, why exactly? I don't know. It's never really mentioned why. Um, okay. So he's just killing people because he likes a girl. He, he likes Jana. But uh, he, then he attempts to kill her. So it's not to be with her. He just starts knocking people off. And uh, there's one cool scene of gore. Where he cuts somebody's uh, arm off with a knife. Um, I don't know how sharp the knife is to go through bone like it did, but uh, yeah, uh, this movie's horrendous. It does have a flash of nudity. Um, I think okay. I saw a nipple for about half a second, and then I did some decent underboob. Um, but it's a total uh, bore fest. I I probably missed a plot point while I was tweeting. I just it did not it did not <laughs> captivate me in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the reason why I have this film is because it was a twofer. Um, I uh, it was packaged with the Last Slumber Party, which I panned hard mm-hmm. when I did my Alpha to Zuda Alpha challenge last year. Um, so yeah, so far I'm not a fan of direct to video uh, or shot on video horror films um, from the eighties. It's it's okay. just bad. Um, I can see this taking room yeah. uh, at a um, mom and pop video store because you know you're dying for content. But uh, yeah, I mm-hmm. this this movie sucks. Um, I give it out of four stars. I'll give it. I'll give it a one star just for the underboob and the nipple. Well, there you go, underboob and nip. Yeah. Give it a star. Yeah, one star, and that's that's it's not shining too too bright. Right. It's very dull. It's a dull one star. Well, hey. Um, I, you know, I apologize. I think we talked about it. The reason you had this shit movie is because you gave me Sand Serpents. So, Sand Serpents. Yeah. But, all right. So, one star <laughs> for Terra Ten Killer. Four stars for yes. Moana. So, let's let's find out how Sand Serpents was. Sand Serpents. Sand Serpents. Sand Serpents. So, Sand Serpents is a <laughs> another DVD that I received during... Smarmy Jerk Face's Fantastic Garbage giveaway a few years back that I've mentioned during this segment in the past. Um, I won a crap ton of mostly shitty movies, and this happened to be one of them. Um, So surprisingly, though, as stupid and terrible as this one sounds and looks from the cover art, it's perfectly watchable. So 
Sand Serpents is the story of a group of U.S. soldiers that find themselves stranded in Afghanistan. When the film starts out, because it's a film done in the late 2000s, of course, they're fighting the Taliban. Um, Something scares the Taliban away, though, and that obviously is going to be the titular giant Sand Serpents. Um, These are very uh, Tremors-esque, and they start uh, attacking... (laughs) Our soldiers who eventually find themselves fighting the Sand Serpents and the ta- uh, the sand Taliban. Serpents. So this is obviously a very like silly premise, but it's actually a lot that better. Sounds like it sounds like a really deep film right there. Yeah, kind of. Well, surprisingly, it's not, but <laughs> it's actually a lot better than it should be because the cast they take their roles absolutely seriously, and they're just genuinely talented actors all around. Um, a lot of times in these made-for-TV movies, you're going to get either A, just a lot of bad actors, or B, a lot of like former A-list celebrities that are just phoning it in um, for a paycheck. But fortunately, that's that's not the case at all with Sand Serpents. And Sand Serpents. the entire cast is really dedicated to making the most out of the mediocre, out of the mediocre script they're given. Um, even more impressive to me was the fact that the writer brings in other um, Muslim characters from Afghanistan and makes them sympathetic and heroic. You don't see that a lot in these films, especially from movies from this era, seeing it was, it, as it was made and released during like the heart of the, the war on terror. So I, that was really refreshing to see. I love that. Um, the entire story is about whether or not these soldiers and civilians they pick up along the way are going to survive. And I like that they never, they didn't completely get rid of the Taliban forces as a threat just because the sand serpents appeared. It's truly like (laughs) a fight for survival against both of these forces, which actually kept things interesting for me. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing truly special or unique about the movie, but it's fine. Uh, The CGI is actually a hell of a lot better than I expected it to be. And there is this like really badass shot that I just loved that acts as like the final climax of the battle. And it actually works really well. Um, So if you're a fan of these generally shitty made for sci-fi movies, then you could do a hell of a lot worse than Sand Serpents. And hell, if they decided to make a sequel, which I'm sure they won't, but if they did, I'd check it out. So... I'm going to give Sand Serpents two out of four stars. So unfortunately, Mark, yes? your movie your oh. movie didn't surprise like mine did. But oh, well, the thing is, you, you tried to punish me, but I gave, I did. I gave you gold, my friend. <laughs> you sure didn't think it was when you gave it to me. But what? Yeah, that's, that's what I remember. That's how I recall it. So. Uh, we'll have to listen to the tape. Right. Yeah, exactly. So excellent. So... Let's figure out what we're going to watch for next week. So again, I am going to pick a film for Mark. Mark, you're going to pick a film for Ash, and Ash, you will pick a film for me. So I will start off. Uh, Mark, in your updated list here. Yes. From the Man With No Name trilogy, have you seen A Fistful of Dollars? <gasps> you know, I've only seen the first one. Um, I that I know that. Fistful of Dollars first one. It is the first one? Okay. No, oh, you've seen the first one. I've only seen the first one. Okay. Oh, oh good so I will have you watch. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have him watch the second one for a few dollars more. All right. Okay. Uh, for a few dollars more. Now, the reason why, because on my list of uh, 12 movies to watch this year. Um, yeah. 
I checked. You have. Oh, uh, I have the good, bad, Coogan. I have the good, bad, and the ugly on my list, but not for a few. Days. Oh, you do. I do. I do. I only saw Coogan's bluff for some reason. I totally missed it. Okay, yeah, so, well, good. So for a few dollars more. So I want to start from the beginning. Uh, so I'm going to watch the. Fr- I'm going to yeah. watch a whole trilogy. Well, I should finish Godfather first. <laughs> I still have to watch a third one, but uh, for purposes <laughs> of the podcast, I will watch for a few dollars more. Excellente. Yeah, that's one thing that I completely forgot about in January, and it's so fucking late in February. I really need to do it, but I didn't watch a um, one of my films from January. Yeah, and so I got to get caught up. Yeah, I got to watch uh, one for February as well. So maybe I'll yeah. watch the whole uh, Man with No Name trilogy and then there do my go. post on the, the one on my list. Perfect. Yeah, excellent. So, um, Mark, what is Ash going to watch for next week? Well, since I find that we've got a lot of momentum with his picks on animation. Um, I'm going to go with 1999's An Extremely Goofy Movie. Ooh. Oh. Is that one still on Netflix? No idea. But as of May 10th, <laughs> 2017, it was. <laughs> oh, man. An Extremely Goofy Movie is still on there. Yeah. I have seen yes, the first good. one. That was why I added it to my list because I had not <laughs> seen a goofy movie, but I had not seen an extremely goofy movie. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is for next week. Okay. Good shit. All right, so that'll be an extremely goofy movie. And then, Ash, what do I get to watch for next week? You are um, – I noticed this one on the list, and I had to double-check to be sure. And I rented this when it came out on video cassette VHS oh boy. back in 1996. Going back. It is a uh, werewolf movie called Bad Moon. Ooh, I still have oh, not seen that. Okay. Very uh, good. I remember. Me either. I, I know. I remember. I rented this back in 1996. So yeah. I remember liking it and thinking it was pretty decent, and it was kind of a slightly different take on the whole werewolf thing. So okay, I think you might like it. We'll, we'll cool. Find and out. I think I think that is a Scream Factory release that I have for that one. So yeah, I think they released excellent. it. Excellent. Perfect. So I will be watching 1996's Bad Moon. Mark will be watching 1965s for a few dollars more, and Ash will be watching 2000s, an extremely goofy movie. Uh, 1999. Is it? Okay. Somebody is not not paying attention. Make it up with IMDb, because that's all I did was type it into IMDb. Uh, Well, Netflix Netflix disagrees with them. It says 1999. (laughs) Yeah. So, either way. An extremely goofy movie. We'll, we'll use 1999 so that you guys stop bitching. All righty. So. <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap things up for this week. So remember, we are going to be back next Monday, March 5th, with a review of 2011's The Monitor. And as always, if you have a question for us here at the podcast, please hit us up on Twitter using that hashtag in film we trust for any questions you'd like to hear us talk uh, answer or any topics you'd like to hear us talk about and we still are taking suggestions for the replacement for the best in the backlog challenge um this is round 50 and by the end of this arc we will be at round 52 which makes a full year's worth of it so we would like to move on to maybe something different um and so we'd love to take some suggestions from you guys we did get one uh from brent so we thank you very much for that um and uh that's in this talks but that is actually his idea is so, so good. That's actually something we were talking about doing um, maybe outside the podcast. So we're still um, kind of toying with, we're, with that. We're uh, workshopping the idea. Exactly. Exactly right. So if anybody else has any um, cool ideas, definitely let, it, let us hear it. Um, you know, if we 
can't figure out anything great. Maybe the best in the backlog will stick around for a little bit longer. Who knows? But I would like to switch it up just for the hell of it. So let us know. Um, and you can do that uh, by hitting us up on Twitter. Or um, if you're not on Twitter, give us a call at one three zero two four four eight talk or email us at contact at cinefashions.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us that review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is that you might be listening to us. Those positive reviews help us reach a larger audience, which is always the goal. So we thank you for taking the time to do that and for telling your friends about us. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love interacting with our listeners there. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. So make sure you're following along on all of those platforms. And Mark, remind our listeners where else they can find you online. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Mark underscore Nadeau. That's M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U. And as well on Instagram and on Letterboxd at uh, mnadeau 2 Excellent. And how about you, Ash? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr using D-H-G-F-A-S-H-E. Excellent. You can find me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. And I'm also on Letterboxd under that same name. And also, if you guys haven't checked it out already, like we mentioned earlier, Ash and I recorded volume two of the Cinefessions podcast special edition this past week, where we reviewed the Cloverfield Paradox, which recently released on Netflix. So definitely give that one a listen if you've missed out so far. All right, gents. It was great to be back behind the mic with both of you again. So thank you uh, for to, for coming back from your vacation, Mark. and. Uh. Joining me again tonight, Ash. Playing the nut crash. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Life Uh, goals right there. Exactly. Yep. So as always, thank you guys for listening to episode 120 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) 